Welcome to Broad and Walnut. I'm your host, Michael Gorman. We are back for season two, and it is great to be back. Some of you thought we weren't coming back. Of course we were coming back. I just can't do this every day or every week or even every month. Unfortunately, I have to go to a real job that makes real money so I can pay a real mortgage. Uh, Broad and Walnut doesn't exactly pay my mortgage, but it doesn't matter because it has been so much fun. The last year has been a blast, and our listenership and awareness just continues to grow, so thank you for that. Uh, We were even recently featured in Philadelphia Magazine as one of the 30 podcasts Philly business leaders are listening to right now. That was great to see. Anyway, we're going to be doing this in seasons going forward. I'm going to interview maybe 8 to 10 people a year and talk about what they're doing to change the city, Uh, all happen makers in Philadelphia, so we'll see how this goes. Um, And we'll keep going. So let's get to season two and let's get it started. Our first guest on season two of Broad and Walnut is David Goodstead. I've been practicing that name and I like to say it with a little oomph. David Goodstead. David is the founder and CEO of the Fittler Club, which is currently under construction in Center City. Going into this interview, I had heard nothing but great things about David and they turned out to all be true. Not only is he he a super nice guy, but he's a true visionary. He's going to tell us all about the Fittler Club and the remarkable things that he's doing to make Philadelphia a better place. Please excuse my voice. During this interview, I was a bit under the weather when we recorded this, but I hope you'll enjoy it. Anyway, let's get started with our first Broad and Walnut interview of season two. Here we go. Sitting here today with David Goodstead, founder and CEO of the Fittler Club, which is due to open in 2019. I could try to explain what the Fittler Club is or will be, but I think we'd all be better off with David giving that explanation, which we'll get to in just a few minutes. But first, let me welcome you to Broad and Walnut. Thanks for being here, David. Thanks. Appreciate uh, you having me. Uh, Okay, so let's briefly touch on your background and then we'll get into the club. Uh, Where did you grow up? I grew up in Toronto. Toronto, okay. Yes, yeah. So how did you eventually make your way to Philly? So I was a competitive tennis player growing up, and as many of my peers did at the high ranks of Canadian tennis, uh, ended up being recruited to play uh, college tennis, and was very fortunate to uh, be admitted into Princeton University, and so I was a recruited athlete there. Obviously, there are no sports scholarships, but I ended up uh, playing on the tennis team there for the better part of my first two years, and, uh, and I stayed. Nice. So you were at Princeton, and then you graduate. And did you go head to Philly or New York? I thought at some point you went to. So I actually took a job right out of college with Goldman Sachs, and very quickly found myself in the real estate business. And even more quickly after that, became a hospitality uh, person. And so what that means is anything that touched hospitality and leisure, hotels, casinos, timeshares, private clubs, fitness. Uh, those were all kind of inside of my domain as a, initially a financier and ultimately as a uh, private equity guy. But I will explain the Philly connection. Okay. Um, in my sophomore year, actually my junior year, I should say, of, of college, I met a woman by the name of Julia <laughs> Dranoff, who is actually now my wife. And okay. so um, little did I know back then that uh, you know, if, if you want to guarantee that you someday are going to move to Philadelphia, you A, marry someone from Philadelphia, B, 
if they happen to be an only child, that stacks the deck even further against you. And you know, see, uh, if they have a family business, then you know, I think that those those are my three strikes. Right. So, um, you know, it took about fifteen years for her to get me here, and uh, here I am, one of the you know one of the biggest boosters of the city, and uh, doing a project that uh, you know I hope is going to really up the level of uh, interest and excitement about, you know, folks looking to either stay or, or move to the city of Philadelphia. So. It's funny that usually the answer to that question, how did you end up in Philadelphia, uh, for people from out of town, is I met a girl. Right, right. <laughs> and so, exactly that was my long way to say of saying that, exactly. So when you graduated from Princeton, what did you want to do with your life? Uh, I had always had an interest in real estate, and, and, and really it derived from my interest around cities and kind of the urban landscape. And so... Without being able to articulate that as a as a naive undergraduate, I said, "Okay, well, how do I get into real estate? Investment banks are recruiting out of uh, college, and next thing I know, I'm in the interview process at a bunch of the you know investment banks out there, and I just kept saying, you know, they said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "Real estate," without really a, a great understanding of what that ultimately meant, um, but but luckily. I was able to very quickly figure out what I did and didn't like about you know the different industries and subgenres of this of the space, and I just you know fell in love with the hospitality and, and you know really hotels is my if you were to call it a major mm -hmm. and then kind of a minor in all the other areas and uh, and, and that's kind of how my career took off. Uh, I'm glad you said Goldman Sachs because I. I, I think a lot of people in our audience hear Goldman Sachs and think finance, but don't really know what that means. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe you could explain, so you, you work for Goldman, Goldman Sachs, and what do you do in the hotel business or real estate business for Goldman Sachs, sort of specifically? Sure. So my job evolved over the course of 10 years that I was there. Um, I would say initially, finance, in, in the true sense of the word, which was fi financing projects and buildings. So I started out in a group that did commercial mortgage-backed securities, and I was the person responsible for underwriting uh, loans on buildings, hotels, malls. So in, in, in a basic sense, somebody that wanted to build a hotel would come to you and say, "Hey, Goldman Sachs, can you lend me the money to build this hotel?" Yeah, and, and, and you figure and out. We would underwrite it, and yeah, exactly. And Got then it. we would package those up and, and sell them as bonds. Got but it. My, I was really on the front end, the originating and uh, underwriting side. Understood. So um, I was looking at your resume. So, I mean, your hospitality resume is super impressive. I mean, over the last 20 years, it seems like everything you've done over the last 20 years has sort of led up to this point that you're now here to build this great club in Philadelphia. Um, why? So, so you obviously met a girl, you're living in New York, working at Goldman Sachs. And at some point, you guys decide you're going to move back to Philly. And did you have the idea for the Fiddler Club at that point? Or when did it sort of when did you conceive it? So the the club was born, or the concept was born out of a lot of different concepts and iterations, at least in my own mind, that I've been um, you know, thinking about over the years. And so when I when we decided to move to Philadelphia, I was actually working on a different concept um, with the hopes of creating something more along the lines of what I had ended up doing in my last role with Equinox, which was tying together fitness and hospitality. And so that concept actually led me to get connected with my former employers with uh, Equinox and Related and my role as the, you know, the, the founder and chief investment officer of a lifestyle hotel brand 
with health and wellness as the core component to it. Sure. For some of our listeners who don't know what Equinox is or what related is, so Equinox is a luxury fitness concept. They're based in New York. I think they have maybe 80 gyms in the country. 91 gyms in the country. They're owned by Related, which is a real estate company. Uh, right. I guess it's it's an arm of their company, Equinox. Is. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah. T- technically, it's actually personally owned by the principals of Related, but it's, it's all kind of one big happy family there. So Equinox has 90 or so gym locations in the country. They also own, for people local, they own SoulCycle. That's right. Um, they also own Pure Yoga, and they just acquired Rumble Boxing. Yeah, I, I saw that. Very exciting. And I, I heard actually just recently that Rumble's working on a deal on Walnut Street. In Philadelphia. Which is amazing. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is we, we used to be low on the list right. when cool things came and now we're right at the top. So it's exciting. Yeah, definitely. So so you working you're working at Equinox and Equinox, I guess a few years ago, announced that they were getting into the hospitality business with hotels. Right. right? So they're they have one under construction in New York, they have another working on working on another one in Los Angeles. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch. I don't know what's been publicly disclosed, but there are a number of, of hotels. Which you know, again, I was I was the person who was responsible for putting all those deals together. Wow! So, so you, it's a very exciting concept, and you know, despite me not being there anymore, I'm still a huge fan of, of what they're doing, and can't wait to frankly stay at the at the first one, which will be the one at Hudson Yards. Which yeah, is be a pretty special. When project. is that due to open? Uh, I think the latest is sometime in the spring of 19. 19, got it. Yeah. Um, so you take all your experience from the last 20 years and, and specifically with Equinox over the last few years and related and you decide you want to open the Fiddler Club in Philadelphia. So what is the Fiddler Club or what will the Fiddler Club be? Sure. So in my mind, Fiddler Club is really the next step in the evolution of the high-end or lifestyle club for a city. And so a lot of people may be familiar with concepts like Soho House. Um, certainly there are big, uh, what I'll call, other membership-based concepts that are starting to get a lot of popularity out there. So a good example is WeWork. WeWork, WeWork okay. has actually taken their model. And they're, they're a membership-based concept. I mean, um, when you look at what they're, the way they represent their business, they talk about members. They don't talk about tenants. Um, and certainly in the fitness world, you've got companies like Lifetime and Equinox and the whole um, cohort of, you know, from from big box, Planet Fitness, all the way down to Boutique Fitness. And even there, it's, again, back to this membership concept. And then going back in time, uh, there are companies like Club Corp, which was a public company, is now private. I think they may be public again. And they were one of the only institutional operators of what I'll call city clubs, um, along with golf courses in the country. And they got scale, and it was a business that was built over you know, a number of decades. Um, so what I'm doing is not necessarily a new concept. It's just a new take on something that's existed um, in different forms over the years. And what I think is unique about what we're doing here at Fittler Club is we're taking what I think are the most interesting pieces of a lot of these models and putting them together under one roof. So in my mind, when I describe Fittler Club, it's, it's social and it's health and wellness, and it's a workspace, and it's a space for great events. And we're putting that all together. And to to my knowledge, I don't believe that anyone's actually done it to this level of, um, you know, kind of uh, components under one roof. I really don't. I really don't. That's really impressive. So where will it be exactly? So we're located, you know, we've got this unbelievable space right on the river at 24th and Market. So it's a 2400 market building. Everyone knows it is the old whale building. That's sure. where uh, 
you know, the old Marketplace Design Center was, and, and I think a lot of people don't realize how steeped in history that building and location is. It was actually um, before the building was there it was a train station, okay. and uh, after uh, I guess it was um, in the early 1900s, uh, the Hudson Automotive Company developed it as a as a building that was uh, both a service uh, area as well as a showroom for cars. Okay, and so. Um, there was a ramp that you could actually drive cars up the entire uh, height of the building. And that's that noisy work that's been uh, actually taken down that ramp down to uh, down to river, you know, the river level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool building. So are you on the ground level of that building? How is it, how's it set so up? So we've got space on three of the levels of the building. So if you're on the Schuylkill River Trail and you were to run by the building, you're yeah. looking into our gym space. And so actually... Over the last week, you can actually see the brick coming down to the window line, and we're going to have these amazing huge windows that will look in, or if you're in our gym, look out towards the river and towards the you know, new university city skyline, which, oh, is, nice. which is really exciting. So we have that, and that's going to be um, really a world-class fitness facility, 25,000 feet. We've got a pool. We've got all the studios you could ever want, a golf simulator, climbing wall, uh, daycare. Wow. We've got a spa, three-lane lap pool. And a salon and a, and a barber, so really exciting. And then that's that level. That's that level. And if you keep running, uh, as you're running north on the trail, um, the next couple bays are actually the back of our event space. So uh, there will be a huge kitchen back there. And then if you were to draw an imaginary line just through, going towards from the river towards 24th, um, you would be passing through uh, about 10,000 feet of event space, including a 5,000 square foot ballroom. Um, state-of-the-art, wired with, you know, all the great sound and uh, AV. Um, and it will be really a spectacular event space and, and nothing like the city's ever had. Wow. Um, and then the second component, which is equally fun, which is we actually created a, a private event space called the Trophy Room. And it's going to have bowling lanes, billiards, all the old-school games that, uh, you know, people of my vintage grew up playing. Yeah. And what's nice is it's not just a, a space but it's an event space, so it's not a transient necessarily, you know, where you just come for, for a beer, but it's actually a space that you can rent out. And so if you think about hosting a wedding or a gala or a fundraiser and being able to have a VIP area or, you know, for a bar mitzvah, the, the, the things that people pay thousands of dollars to bring into spaces is already built into our wow. space. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. And like I said, I, I've never seen that configuration executed anywhere my travels um, you know there are bowling lanes and hotels there are ice rinks in hotels but you know to, to create it in this you know kind of purposeful and intentional fashion um, with the goal of synergizing it with the event space is really uh, you know, really unique and uh, so then that, that sounds amazing uh, so then you also have I guess there's a hotel component to it um, how many rooms is that hotel so we're gonna have 14 hotel rooms and these will this will be a five-star hotel so uh -huh. we're gonna have two you know, very large suites, um, and we've got three junior suites and nine regular hotel rooms. And, you know, my goal is for this to be on par with the nicest hotel offering in the city. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in the actual process of building out our model room right now. It's really exciting. And it's just, it feels great being in the space. And I think people will be very happy once they see how thoughtful design is. And then there's also the co-working aspect of it too, right? The WeWork sort of Yeah, idea, so right? a big a big part of what I think is important in a club like this is, you, you know, you want the space to be active all day. 
And how do you keep a space active all day? Well, you put more stuff in it. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I think is just really compelling is, you know, I think, I think a lot of the firms that are doing co-working have done a great job setting the vibe and, and creating a concept, but they really lack amenities. So if you want to have lunch, you have to go somewhere. If you want to work out, you're paying some other gym, some, you know, monthly membership fee, or if you want to go, um, you know, for a swim or, a, you know, even just grab like a right. casual drink, yeah. coffee even, um, although I guess they have beer on tap at a lot of these places. But, but you know, um, nobody has really put these pieces together. And to me, it, it was almost like obvious that, well, who wouldn't want to be able to be in their office and then have someone come and meet them and then have their breakfast or lunch meeting, do their workout and not have to schlep gear, bags, coordinate logistics. It's yeah, all, you know, it's all happening under one roof. Let me take a quick break right there to talk to you about Run Avalon. RunAvalon.com is back as Broad and Walnut's presenting sponsor for season two, and we appreciate all their support. Run Avalon set out to create a fitness apparel brand that captured the spirit of those who relish in kicking up before kicking back. It all started a year ago, and they've been able to accomplish so much in just one short year. Go to RunAvalon.com and check out all their incredible fitness apparel. If you love running, yoga, boot camp, whatever your workout is, and you want to look great and feel great while doing it, go to runavalon.com and pick up some of their gear. You will not be disappointed, and you will look thin. No other brand will make that claim. Buy Run Avalon gear, and you will look thin and feel great. Runavalon.com. So is this going to be a private club? It will be private. So So how do you become a member? So there's a couple answers to that. One is, uh, obviously, to start, you need to start with a group of people that you're inviting. And so you know, we've been very fortunate. We have about 110 investors who came in and invested in the project alongside me and Michael Foreman and, and Admiral Capital, which is uh, you know, founded by a close friend of mine, Dan Basakis, and a professional basketball player, David Robinson. The Admiral. So the Admiral himself, yeah. yes. Right. <laughs> so we, we've been very lucky. I'll just I'll leave it at that. Sure. And, you know, when you look at the list of investors, uh, we have you know 110 of the highest profile people in the city, CEOs, leaders in academia, in medicine, in business, in philanthropy, in you know government, and it's 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 really just you know something that I think is tapped into. Um, and demonstrated a desire to have something like this exist and be created. Right, it's definitely lacking in the city. Right, yeah, for sure. And so, you know, from that group of folks, um, you know, it's starting to happen very organically. So, you know, 110 people have, everyone's got, you know, two, three, four, five, 10, 15 friends, and all of a sudden, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of chatter about this, and so it's 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 been really a nice kind of word of mouth and whisper campaign up to this point. We've got some nice press coverage. As well, and you know, I think where we're where we're headed with this is, you know, we want to stay true to the mission of the club, which is, you know, we want this to be a diverse community of the leaders, connectors, and influencers of the city of Philadelphia. So, as we look at everyone who's coming in, both from an investor side, we were very, uh, you know, specific in terms of the, the you know the types of people that we went after to invest. But now, more importantly, as we look to build our membership base, um, we're really looking through that lens of you know, are these people um, who are, you know, proponents of the city of Philadelphia, are they, you know, focused on things like social impact and community? We have a big philanthropic component to the to the club, which is, you know, hugely important to me and to my partners, Michael and uh, the Admiral guys who are, 
you know, uh, huge, huge boosters of programs, um, both locally and, and with Admiral nationally. And, you know, are, are, are oh, so you're going to be involved in some local groups and raising money for these local associations here in Philly? Yeah, so our, our goal is we're going to set up a philanthropic arm of the club, and we're going to put together on our advisory board people who are focused on our philanthropic outreach and community engagement. And we're going to, you know, we want to be able to provide back to the city of Philadelphia by hosting fundraisers and galas, um, by actually um, using some of our membership proceeds uh, to actually give back to actual causes and local uh, charities and opportunities, and then also engaging with the community but providing uh, apprenticeship and mentoring opportunities within the club itself. Um, and that could be for jobs or that could be taking people in um, who might not otherwise have access to a club like this but who are identified as emerging leaders in whatever their area of expertise is. It could be education or nonprofit or arts and culture and have them be part of this community. I love that. Thank that's, you. That's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, so when are you scheduled to open the club? The, the target opening date is early 2019. Okay. Yeah. So right now you're in it. I mean, the, the next 12 months. Full on construction mode. I'm on site virtually every day, walking and, you know, when I'm not on site, I'm in meetings, design, selection of materials, furniture, all the fun stuff. Sure. So who do you view as your competitors? I guess any gyms or any other local private clubs? I, guess, I, I mean, imagine. I think what we're doing is so unique that I don't really see us coming and competing with anyone. I think what we're doing is, you know, creating a, you know, we're growing the market and we're, we're creating something that I think a lot of people intuitively didn't really understand. They wanted until they were, until it was described for them. And so, you know, I suspect that, you know, we look at our members Obviously, some of them will have been members at other gyms or private clubs, but I think a lot of them uh, just you know never saw anything that they you know, called out to them and, and that they identified with. And, sure, uh, I think that's going to comprise a large part of our membership base. Um, one of the, getting back to the gym component of it, obviously one of the things that is really popular today in fitness is the boutique mm -hmm. fitness uh, aspect of any sort of the, the smaller gym, Soul Cycle, yoga, is I, I would imagine your gym would have all those components as well. Yeah, so I think part of the beauty of what we're going to do is if we can get it right, uh, we will have a what I think is a you know comparable version of a lot of these boutique fitness concepts, but baked into the club, and it's not a um, it's it's not going to be where and I'm not being dismissive of these concepts. I think they're great. Sure. I'm, I'm a fan of them, but. You know, it's very transactional. Your, your class is 45 minutes and there's not really a place to lounge and shower and kind of hang out with the people that you were just in this great experience with. Mm -hmm. And so my goal is to create that experience, but in an environment where you can go and then take a nice shower or steam or sauna afterwards and go meet up for a, for a lunch or a smoothie or grab a cup of coffee and not feel like you're being hustled out of there and you could leave your sweaty clothes in a bag and you show up the next day and they're washed and clean in your locker for you. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, I think this is public. I, I think I read it in, in the paper. Uh, the cost to build is about $60 million, so I, roughly, I would imagine. It, we, yeah, we view that as the value of the project. So, you know, we're not really disclosing what our detailed construction costs are, but it's 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 in that neighborhood in terms of what we think the value of the, 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 the club is. Sure. And so someone like myself who's in the real estate business who knows what that means on a 75,000 square foot club, you're talking about $800 a foot. Uh, so, I mean, that is as good as it gets as far as the build-out goes. So. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's, it, this is going to be a world-class execution and offering. That's awesome. Yeah. What are some of the hotels or restaurants or hospitality concepts that you maybe point to 
that have done things right. I guess Equinox would be one. Um, yeah, certainly in the you know health and wellness side, I think Equinox is in a great job. I think SoulCycle, um, I think Lifetime does a nice job as well. I mean, I think they're yeah. you know they're geared a little bit more towards the suburban, but when you look at um, you know the way they're trying to grow their business, they're definitely trying to tiptoe into a little bit more of a lifestyle offering. So if you read what they're doing, you know they've they've uh, talked about co-working is is now added an added element of of their programming, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Um, on the hotel side, I'm a you know I'm, I'm obviously I'm going to be a big fan of Equinox Hotel. Sure. I know they're going to get that right. Um, I, there's a small company out of the UK. It's called Firmdale. Um, they have a couple of hotels in New York called the Crosby Street and the Whit and the Whitby. Okay. And it's just a really interesting company. It's a husband and wife team. The husband's the developer. The wife is the designer. Tim Kemp, and it's just a great story. And these hotels have just. They're beautifully designed. They're small. They're you know you would call it a boutique hotel, um, but there's an incredible amount of thought and whimsy that goes into these. They don't take themselves too seriously, and it's just a great vibe. So mm -hmm. um, th that's a group that I admire, uh, you know, in, in, in a you know very meaningful way. Uh, well, thank you so much. So if people want to become a member of the Feather Club again, it's opening early nineteen, mm -hmm. uh, twenty four hundred Market Street, which is the former uh, Marketplace Design Center. Um, if people want to become a member and they don't have somebody that maybe reached out to them in the network that you created uh, or you set up, um, how would they become a member? So uh, we have a website and the website is actually open for people to register interest and every name that comes in, we're adding to our database. And uh, when we're open for regular membership, uh, you know, we, we will start accepting uh, general applications. I would say the, you know, the, the key thing is, and I'm sure, Someone at some point will be able to figure out how to get someone to refer them in, and so that's a that, that's an important part. We mm -hmm. want to know who you know. We want to know who you are, and and we want to know that you've got someone who's recommending you in from you know from a tr you know network of trusted people, um, and um, and uh, and you're bringing something to the table, right? Yeah, I guess, exactly. In a way. You know, people who, like I said before, embody the, the the values of the club with the you know the focus on you know community you know, diversity leadership, etc., and are huge. You know, huge fans of the city of Philadelphia. Uh, that sounds great. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so that wraps up our first interview of season two. Thank you so much, David Goodstead. Um, your club is going to be kick-ass, and we're lucky to have you here in Philadelphia. As David mentioned, if you want more information on the club, go to fitlerclub.com. And if you like Broad and Walnut, please follow us on Twitter at Broad and Walnut and subscribe to us on iTunes. Oh, and we just launched a Facebook page, so you can now check us out on Facebook as well. Thank you so much. See you.